Welcome to TSOB with Dr. G, a podcast featuring intellectual table talk about race and sexuality. I'm your host, Dr. Tracy Q. Gilbert, a sexuality educator, writer, and researcher. Join me as I talk with the most brilliant minds in human sexuality, applying a professional Black lens to discussions about sexiness, health, and healing in the new millennium. It's TSOB, the sex ed of Black folk. Let's get to the get down, shall we? Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of TSOB with Dr. G. I'm Dr. Tracy Gilbert, and I am super excited and happy to be with you all today for another episode. What can I say? Like, I just have the most charmed life where I get to speak to some of the dopest people in the work that I do, people who not only are just superb at what they do in their particular niche in this work, but they inspire me to keep going on days where I'm like, why am I doing this? And I know folks who might be listening are like, well, why wouldn't you want to be a sexuality educator? But I promise you, there are days when it's just like, why, why am I doing this? I could be doing something so much simpler. So um, the get, today's guest is absolutely one of those people who just excites me so much and it's just so awesome. So um, I'm going to read their bio and then we're going to go ahead and get into this conversation. I am talking about none other than Marla Stewart, who is just, ah, just super dope. So let me read her bio. Marla Renee Stewart is a professional sexologist, intimacy, relationship, sex coach, speaker, and author. She is the owner of Velvet Lips, a sexuality education company, as well as Contract Liberation, a company focused on research for nonprofit group. As a faculty member at Clayton State University, she teaches sociology and women and gender studies. As the co-founder of Sex Down South Conference, Marla aims to bring diverse groups together to learn and share their experiences in the essence of being authentic and fostering sexual liberation across communities. Come on with that vision. Love it, right? Don't y'all love it? Marla has studied human sexuality for over 19 years, has educated over 20,000 people in over 13 years, given over 400 workshops, and has served over 100 clients in her private practice all around the world. She has had her influence in the media as well. She has written over 200 articles, featured in over 20 magazines and books, and has been on 30 podcasts and independent television shows. Now listen, that's all dope, but what I'm about to tell you now is really what, like, if you don't know her now, if you know Netflix uh, trigger warning with Killer Mike, you know her from there. That, like, that was a moment, and we're going to talk about that during this conversation as well. Uh, she was featured on Trigger Trigger Warning with Killer Mike, the episode about uh, being able to teach coachable skills through porn. I loved it, through sexual uh, explicit media, loved it. Um, but she's also been on VH1's Love and Hip Hop Atlanta and was filmed as a sex expert for GPB's Personal Injury Court and Oxygen's Bad Girls Club Atlanta. Um, in addition, she sits on the boards for Spark Reproductive Justice Now and the Diverse Sexualities and Research Education Institute. She co-wrote her first book, The Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay in 2020 with Dr. Jessica O'Reilly and is currently writing a chapter and co-editing an intersectional approach to sex therapy coming in 2021. Like I said, I know dope people and they bless me being willing to be on this show. So 
without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to TSOB, Marla. Thank you so, so much for being here. Yes, thank you, Tracy, for having me. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I just, like, I've had the chance, I've been blessed to know you through a couple of other different avenues over the years, but just, like, to read your bio, I'm just like, wow, you know, you, you get so focused on your own work, you don't often think about what other people, really what all they're doing, so to read everything that you've done over your years, it's just stellar, and I'm I'm just really humbled that you're here. So, oh, thank you. Um, so we are gonna like chop it up about everything, but we have to start with the same question I start with all of my guests to really, really ground this in in an appropriate way. Um, my question is a three parter: Where you from? Where your people from? And what's got you thinking about sex and sexuality these days? Ah, uh, so where I'm from? Where my people are from? And what's got me thinking about sexuality? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I think about sex all the time. Um, <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, where I'm from, it's so interesting. So I'm, I'm actually from, I was born in East St. Louis. Okay. Um, and I, my mom uh, was a single mom, just not was like, I cannot have my baby living here. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, the day after I turned one, we got on a plane and went to California, um, where I pretty much lived the rest of my life. Um, well, not lived the rest of my life, but grew up there and in Northern California. And then um, came to Atlanta when in 2004 after college and um, for grad school. And then, uh, yeah, I was living in Atlanta for about 14 years. And then... Um, Fell in love, moved to Florida, and uh, now I go back and forth between Florida and Atlanta. So it is, uh, that is sort of where I'm from. I'm from, originally from Northern California. So when I think about like life philosophies and where they come from, they are from California. And I just Mm -hmm. have brought myself and my philosophies to the South, which has been tremendous in the way that I've, for me, that I've helped people to really see their authenticity. And so... Yeah. Where my people um, are from. Is this like a familial question or is this just like my communities? Like, well, you know, I think about it in terms of like your roots, your ancestors and that sort of thing. But Ah. I think you raise an important point, you know, about the difference between our chosen families and our blood families and whatever. So you answer in a way that's authentic to you. I know for me, I think about, you know, my roots, but, you know, whatever feels authentic to you. Yeah, you know, I think being black in America is difficult to 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 even go back to our roots. And I think for me as a queer person um, to acknowledge family that has accepted me, uh, which means I have had to cut family off. So uh, so, yeah, as far as like chosen family. So um, so my roots roots are um, definitely Native American, Lakota and um, along with being black and then um, Irish. That's where mm. the Stewart comes from. And um, yeah, that's pretty much all I know about my family tree in a sense of all the other cultures besides black sure, um, sure, that's sure. in there. So they all came from the Midwest or they were in the Midwest um, the last um, that my mom and I traced back our roots. And yeah, and as far as like, where like when I think about like sort of my 
my chosen family and um, my communities, um, we are everywhere, you know? <laughs> I, I think I live in so many different communities. It feels really beautiful to, you know, to, to have uh, access to all these different types of folks. So yeah, um, yeah. so yeah. That's beautiful. And you actually, you have me thinking about um, the ways that even queerness can help us diversify, I guess, for lack of a better word, diversify kind of where we see our, where we root ourselves and where we see our family and where we see our home. And, and so I'm curious what that, what that journey was like for you to like have this black and native root, but then to understand like, ah, I need to be able to like make connections elsewhere. Cause this ain't it. <laughs> this isn't fully it. What was yeah. that like for you? Um, you know, I, I think part of it is hard because like the disconnection, especially from my like Native American roots or even my Irish roots, the disconnection um, is is intense in the sense of, you know, being black and not necessarily having community. It was me and my mom, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. so um, finding friends, finding family is something that I've always done. And even in. It's funny because when I went to Carnival for the first time in Atlanta, mm, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, these are my people. Like, <laughs> oh, like, and it's so it's really funny. To, so it's sometimes I get it when people are like, I like this community, even though I am not like I'm not from the islands. Right. But like, but I felt like this is my, like, this is who I need to be. This is who I felt a strong affiliation yeah. towards that. And so, um, you know, but it's hard to just be like, I'm not like a Rachel Dolezal or anything, but it's, <laughs> but at the same time, it's like being black and I'm being a black American in Island cultures. And, you know, yeah. it's kind of like a, you know, I you know, I, I feel accepted and at the same time it's sort of like it's not necessarily my culture, but I feel like I belong here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I so think there is a certain expansiveness that's required in order to thrive as a black person in America, right? You have to be willing to like branch out and be more than one thing because we are so much more than one thing and so much of that history has been polluted and distorted in a lot of ways where it's like I to be black is to always be in creation and to always be evolving and always be in the process of becoming. So I love that. Absolutely. And I also want to establish for the record, shout out to another f person from the Midwest that East St. Louis is not St. Louis. And so when you said, that's East St. right, Louis, I was like, Ooh, yes. I get, why. <laughs> East you get why my mom was like, Oh hell, I gotta go. <laughs> right? East St. Mm -hmm. Louis is not a game at all. So mm -mm. shout out to anyone who comes from those areas. Um, Okay, so we've got the we've got the baseline foundation of Marla. How did Marla that Marla get into sex? How'd you get into doing this work? You know, it's so interesting because like my mother, you know, I, I definitely grew up sort of sex positive, I, I would say, mm -hmm. um, because my mom, you know, she did not want me to be a teenage mother like she was. Mm -hmm. And so she really just was like, gave me all the books. Mm -hmm. All the education was just like, if you're feeling horny, this is what you do. If I you're, you know, if you, if you like someone and you want to have sex, this is what you do, you know, like 
So she really was just like, this is a hard journey for me and I don't want you to go through this. And so even when I came out at 16, um, at the time I came out as bisexual at 16, so my mom was like, Oh God, I don't even know. Like that, this is a whole different beast. I hear, you know, here's, <laughs> she was like going to P flag meetings and she was just like, here's an educational pamphlet. You right. know, here's basically, she gave me like a lesbian sex pamphlet and was like, I don't know what they do, but be yes. safe. Here yeah. you go. Like she was really like my rock and, and it was embarrassing you know as a teenager you're just like oh stop leave me alone but like, i'm um, gonna love you through this i don't know what we're doing but i'm gonna love you anyway. yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's how I'm gonna show so she struggled a little bit my dad definitely struggled a little bit because uh he struggled a lot more i should say because he was um he's very much bible mm. you can't tell him nothing because the, mm-hmm. the bible says it all um, but he's learned to, you know, m- me and one of my other brothers is gay. And so it's sort of like, you know, be- having two queer kids out of three, mm-hmm. you know, they finally, they, they are, they are okay. You right. know, my parents are okay. <laughs> yes. But, um, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, so I think that kind of helped foster like the acceptance and authenticity of who I was yeah. and like. Being able to be like, okay, this is who I am. So when I went to college, I was just like, I am who I am. I'll date who I date, you know? So my first year, I think I dated a guy on the baseball team. And then I was like, you know, I was also playing women's basketballs on scholarships. So I was, you know, fucking a couple other teammates. Yeah. You know, (laughs) it was like, I was just kind of all over the place. Right. Fucking a soccer player, See, you know. Being what you should be in your your late yeah. teens, early twenties, <laughs> right. all over the place, trying all the things out. Because right, I was like, why not? It's college. I'm in a dorm. I'm whatever. I'm free, you know. Yes. So anyway, so I really had a chance to just just do what I wanted to do, and I think with the lessons that I learned with my mom about sexual responsibility, really helped me to navigate that. So much so that people came up to me. And would ask me about sex questions, would ask me about orgasm, would ask me relationship, you know, if they were having relationship issues or problems or communication stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, so I just started, I was studying it. So I was studying drama and psychology and uh, yeah, and that, that's pretty much, and human sexuality. Um, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, so that's kind of how that journey got started. And by the time I got to Atlanta for graduate school, I was like, I know I want to do something in sexuality. This is actually what I want to do. I want to teach people how to touch people. And then um, one of my best friends was just like, just do it now. Like, start your business now while you're yeah. in grad school. And then that way, by the time you're out, you know, your business will be going and whatnot. And so right. that's what I did. Right. Oh my gosh. I love that story so much. And what's coming up for me too is like, I feel like there's so many stories on conversations I've had with folks on the show where they talk about their moms. And I want to shout out black moms in particular because, and especially in your case, black teen moms, because the narrative of black teen moms is not what you had in terms of a mother being like, oh no, 
I'm going to teach my child and I'm going to make sure she has what she needs and I'm going to come from a positive angle, right? There's so much gloom and doom that's assigned to teen motherhood and teen parenting, period. And so I want to shout that out um, and really push back because I think particularly in a lot of the traditional education, um, sexual health education models, the idea of like, oh, pregnant, teen pregnant moms, oh, dun, dun, dun. you know, that's like the end. But it's like, no, actually, there's definitely stories of empowerment and it's not the end of end of a person's life uh, to have a baby at a young age and not even the end of the child's life. So I want to. Right. And then also to like, not to think that you'd be single, a single mom forever. Right. Yeah. Like I grew up with um, whom I call my dad, who is my stepdad. Um, but I've been knowing him since I was five. I mm-hmm. think, and then, then they got married when I was seven. So it was like I grew up with a, with very much a nuclear family, you know, with mm-hmm. the with my two brothers as well. That's so ah, I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, so my next question. I think you are actually one of the people because I know that that there were a series of of superhero cards that were just released. And you were one of the people that actually got a superhero card, right? So why don't you tell the folks what your superpower is and any other superpowers that you feel like didn't (laughs) fit within the boundaries of the card in terms of sex ed. I got to tell you, when I was doing this, I was was like, this is going to be printed and it's going to be everywhere. And how, like, what are the things that I really want to say, you know? So it was really difficult to... Mm -hmm. um, to think about these things. Um, so yeah. on the superhero card. Um, and it's and a they She got... Vibe superhero card. So the folks who are like, what superhero card? She Vibe superheroes uh, cards. They're out. There's a whole set of them. So Google finds you a set if you're interested. Yes. Okay. And my set is sold out right now. The series Of course three. it is. Of course <laughs> it is. Because everybody wants a Marla Stewart superhero card. Duh. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I, I'm glad I was quick to get on it. Um, so uh, my hidden talent. Oh, what I really love about the superhero cards, they got all my tattoos and everything in there. Yes. I was like, wow, that's amazing. I don't know <laughs> if you can see that. I was like. Uh, yes, 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 uh, yes. All the, I was like, wow, that's impressive. Um, <laughs> so uh, anyway, my hidden talent, I said, was seducing people without them even realizing it. Yes. Um, and you know, a lot, I think that comes from my, (laughs) just my eyes in general. Um, when I talk to people, I'm very intense at looking at people. Um, but what's interesting is that I've, I've gotten two responses that people generally think one, I'm seducing them or two that I'm high. Mm. So <laughs> I don't smoke. So <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> it's sort of like I, I'm not high, and, and I'm not seducing you. I'm actually just looking at you. But right, um, right. but people think it's one or the other. So I think it's really funny. Um, so anyway, I just said seducing people without them even realizing it. Um, and and that is my specialty. I mean, since writing the Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay, I'm, I do know what how to seduce people. Um, And then it says the weapon of choice. And I just said authentic love and my glorious mouth because I feel like my mouth is really talented in some areas. Ew. Uh (laughs) Shut out. Yes. 
And and then uh, my superpower is uh, turning people's flaws and weaknesses into strengths and sexual assets. Yes, um, I love that. Yeah. Yes. So I feel I really feel like I help people when I'm helping them building up their sexual confidence. I help them to really see like, hey, these flaws actually have some positive things about them. So let's focus on those things rather than what keeps you down. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And so then the last part is uh, my mission, which is my mission is to invoke pleasure activism and sexual strategy in your life so that you can build your sexual arsenal and take advantage of all the pleasures life has to give you. Yes. I love this so much. Yes, yes, yes. Like when, as you're reading, I'm like, yes, everything I, and again, I don't know the full universe that's Marla, but everything I know about you, I'm like, yeah, all of this fits. Absolutely, all <laughs> um, but what I really love, which is a, one of the main reasons I was like, I have to get you on here is just the ways that you get me thinking and introduce um, thought around the relationship between sexuality and power and, and the way like thinking about seduction, like you said, and just how power is negotiated in sexual acts, whether it is between people or it's how you show up in a space and all of that. Can you talk a little bit more uh, to, to the folks about your perception of that relationship and, and maybe even talk a little bit about how that even shows up in sex ed in terms of, of power and, and even discussions about power that you might have with some of your, the folks you work with? Yeah. So when I think about power in particular, um, and it's not, and I'm taking it out of maybe a student teacher context. Mm -hmm. Um, I often think about our, our privileges and power and and what that means. So it's like, if I, um, if I'm more, if I'm talking to a client and I'm seeing that, you know, maybe it's a heterosexual couple and, um, thinking about what kind of power dynamics that are happening um, in their relationship and really seeing like, hey, you, you need to help out with the house or you need to do this thing or you need to do that thing or you, you know, like really seeing the dynamics so that it can be on uh, something a little bit more equitable mm-hmm. so that they do feel good about their sex life. Because most of the time these relationship problems are on things that are outside of their sex life. And their sex life is just suffering because of it. Mm-hmm. So all these communication issues, all these issues, just maybe, you know, maybe it might be even around trauma, infidelity, things like that. Um, I help them navigate as far as power. So thinking about the intersectional dynamics, race, um, gender identity, you know, all of these different things, um, Who has more money in the relationship Mm -hmm. often, you know, can play a huge factor into how that power is seen in the relationship. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. um, Yeah. And so that's how I think about power in that sense. And then also power in the teacher student relationship is knowing that everything that I say is so important because I know they're going to hang on to every single word. Mm-hmm. Um, because of my experience, because of my uh, background, it's really important for me to make sure that I get the right messages out and, and get the right information out so that they have a full understanding of what they need to do or don't do yeah. um, in order to achieve sexual success. 
Yeah. So that's so important. Yes. That's mm-hmm. so important. And I appreciate you raising that point. Um, because I know we have a lot of folks who listen to this show who are educators or who aspire to be educators, but often don't, I perceive them not to think too often about the power that they hold in the classroom as the educator, as the person who is not only teaching content, but I always talk about, they teach people how to think about the topic and how to think about the content. So if they're coming in from a sex negative model, that's one thing. But even if they're coming in from like a clinical perspective versus a pleasure-based perspective versus a community-based, you know, all of that can affect how the learner comes to see not only sex sex and sexuality, but how they come to see themselves as a sexual being. And so I really appreciate you elevating that point as well. Um, going back to what you said about like introducing race and thinking about race, um, especially when you're thinking about couples and that sort of thing. Um, when you think about sex and power and black folks in particular, what's one or two or however many things that you feel like are... I, I'm trying, like, my, my head always kind of goes to, what do we get wrong? But I think the, the, the better question is, what are the opportunities for growth, do you feel like, among Black folks when it comes to sex and power and understanding that and doing better around that conversation? I think one of the key things that I've learned living in the South and being in the South and, and helping couples in the South in particular is uh, the gender, the, the gendered tropes, the, the Southern identity tropes. So mm-hmm. uh, the Southern belle, the Southern gentleman, getting away from those because those are socialized patterns that are, have been harmful for people. Mm-hmm. Um, so the black folks who prescribe in those things, they tend to not be authentic or they tend to be like, well, if I don't do this thing, then I won't, I will be seen as, so they really focus on what other people think. Mm-hmm. And I think one of my things is just, I don't give a shit, you know, like I don't care (laughs) what other people think because I'm living my own life and I'm having a great time doing it. Don't you want to do this thing that I'm doing? Like, don't you want to have fun and just like, don't you want to be your own version of this thing? Yeah. Version of this thing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, do you have fun? Let go of all those messages. And I think, um, sometimes it's really hard because thinking about media, social media, uh, you know, how our socialization patterns, our familial patterns, our religious patterns mm-hmm. really take hold, um, especially at a young age and try their hard- hardest not to let go. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I think that has helped me navigate um, different folks into saying like, hey, be authentic in yourself. So when I see, you know, maybe even couples dynamics, like I have a, a black couple right now who's just, they're so sweet and so amazing. And they're, they're you know, doing their job, doing their, doing what they need to be doing, doing their homework uh-huh. uh, most of the time. Um, <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, it, it's sort of like, oh, um, they they might not know about something. You're like, oh, well, I thought this meant like, no, no, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean. So I feel like just the lack of education sometimes. Um, and like I said, being here in, in an, you know, in an abstinence only, both Florida and Georgia are abstinence only states. And so mm-hmm. it's just sort of like being in a space where you have not been fed all the information that should have 
or that could have been fed to you that could have helped you navigate your sexual life better. So, Yeah. yeah. So yeah, with my black couples, I, you know, it is sometimes those prescriptions to, to things that aren't helpful or aren't very useful. Mm-hmm. I really have to break those down and, and say, hey, these are the reasons why that's probably not going to work for you. <laughs> right. That's probably not the best. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you ever, so I always, um, and this is just based on things that I've read and conversations I've had with folks. Do you ever entertain conversations with your, your black clients about race and how that shows up in their perceptions of what's good and not? Because sometimes I wonder too, um, how much of it is, well, and I assert that and sometimes I think a lot of it is about the assumption of what we look like to white people and like trying not to uphold stereotypes about our hypersexuality and all of these different things when it's like nobody is looking at us <laughs> like no one like people might be but you know do you ever entertain those discussions or do you ever have clients who bring up race when they think about or you know assumptions about uh, what people assume about them as black folks and their sexual expression and, and how you, um, if so, I'm curious how you negotiate or navigate those conversations with them. You know, I really have, I really, I think being, being here, I really have not, um, had that discussion because there's so many black folks here, Mm. you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. so it, it hasn't really, um, that really has not come up as far as like what these, Actually, you know what? No, there is one client that I have right now who um, who has issues around her boss, but that's just like an additional stressor. It's not necessarily something that has affected her sexuality in a sense, you know, with her um, boyfriend or anything. But um, mm-hmm. But no, I really, as far as the perceptions... I don't think I attract those folks. Okay. I think I attract more people who are probably a little bit more open, you know, swingers, non-monogamous folks, queer folks, uh, like, and not necessarily queer, I would say (laughs) heteroflexible or, (laughs) uh, you know, have queer thoughts or, you know, queer politics. Yes. Um, Yeah. So I tend to attract more of those kind of people. Got you. And and as you were talking, I was like, it kind of makes sense because if a person's really hung up on respectability politics, the last thing they're probably going to do is go get coaching from someone who is so against that. <laughs> right. <laughs> that it would push them to do something completely different. Yeah, I get that. That makes sense. And so there, there, I, I also I love that you brought up... Um, the fact that you're in abstinence only states, because I think that also brings the connection back to the experiences of young people and uh, with sex ed and how that affects their experiences as adults. I know you work mostly with adult clients, but do you ever have um, situations where maybe they're thinking, you know, you interact with younger folks or folks are talking about their experiences with younger people, with their young people in their lives and how you navigate that um, in terms of, where a young person doesn't even have their basic information or they have where it's like, actually I'm very comfortable in, in, in who I am, but I live in this state that's like ultra conservative and wants to take that out of me. And how do you negotiate that with younger clients? Yeah. So when I started this business, um, 
before I started this business, when I was an undergraduate, I actually was on a doctoral scholarship as well. And so I had to do an undergraduate thesis. Mm -hmm. And so with my undergraduate thesis, I did it with an, um, with an alternative sexuality center in the Bay Area. So um, I have, I was already doing this research before with young people. So I was basically educating young people from the ages of nine to 25. Mm. And so, um, when I came to Atlanta, I just kind of continued along those lines. So I would go to nonprofit organizations who had young people or had young people programs and talk to them about sex and sexuality. So like all the adults, you know, that were in charge would leave. And then like I would have these candid conversations with folks who were, you know, 12 to 18 or, um, uh, I did like the, uh, at one point Atlanta had like an LGBTQ youth center. So I was doing workshops for them. I was going to different colleges. So speaking to college age folks, young people um, around uh, sexuality. And so for me, it was more of helping them to say like, hey, here are some alternatives. Here's what a healthy relationship looks like. Here's how to do safe you know, sex. Here's, you know, the way to communicate to someone or whatever. Here's the way to talk about your body. Like, let's be connected. It's not, you know, this random thing that you have between your legs. Let's say, right. you know, this is your body. Right. And so really having them keep connected to their bodies, to to make sure that they're asking questions, um, that they're not making that they're not making assumptions, that they can go to somebody that they really trust, I thought was just really important. So mm -hmm. um yeah, for me, uh I, I started off that way. So that's always sort of going to be in my sexual sexuality roots. So yeah, for me yeah. as a pregnant person getting ready to give birth, oh, yes, yes, that's you know, awesome. I'm thinking about like all of these things, right? Yeah. Like, oh, oh, how am I going to educate? Like, what did my mom do again? Like, you know, like, it's a whole different me? world for me, you yeah. know, thinking about how I'm going to raise, um, raise these babies, this baby. So, yeah. Um, and I think it's so important. Like to me, I just very clearly see, and I think of the uh, the Frederick Douglass quote that it's easier to. I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher it, but it's it's, <laughs> it's it's something like it's easier to raise strong folks than to repair broken men or something like that. Like mm. basically, it's easier to like work with someone when they're younger and like mm -hmm. really give them the baseline that they need versus what it seems to me like you likely do is have all of these people who come into your space with all of this limited foundational knowledge and then you have to go back and like okay well let's start here let's start with your body and how it responds let's start with this start with that and then work to building them up to get to a place of confidence and openness and authenticity and that sort of thing absolutely and you're absolutely right about that because i i used to feel guilty for the longest time for having a great childhood you mm. know like i used to because you know, people are drawn to the 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 trauma or drawn to the stories that are like the stories of triumph, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, I come from a story of greatness and I'm just trying to be more great, you know? Yeah. Like there's no, there's no, I overcame this thing. And I, re I remember uh, someone wanted me to do some like sexual storytelling and they were like, 
well, what, what was your triumph? What, what did you had, what did you have to overcome as a child? And I was like, nothing. <laughs> I had a great childhood. It, it was, was actually pretty freaking dope. <laughs> yeah. Like I have no complaints whatsoever. Um, and, and sometimes I think that's hard to hear for people because Absolutely. of the, of what they maybe have gone through or, or whatever. And, um, and it's not a glorious story, right? Like mm-hmm. you had a great childhood. Oh, whoop de doo you know, and you, uh, and you have a great adulthood. Okay. Well, that's not very exciting. <laughs> it's, it's not like, drama. It's not TV worthy, you right. know? So, but it's also, but it also sounds like it's been very pleasurable and that's, uh, you know, that's awesome. And I, and, and I, as somebody who I, I am very much in tune with some of more of the challenging narratives as it relates to black people. I love the idea that like, no, you can just have a regular degular life. You like, you don't have to be black and suffer. It doesn't have to be the woe is me narrative. Not to say that it should, you know, we should deny and ignore the harm that's been done and the experiences that many of us have had that are kind of rooted in, in more of the trauma but there should be a balance, right? Especially for a single teenage mom from East St. Louis. Like she deserves all the things good. Right. (laughs) And not to say that we don't go through those things as we grow up. Cause I've, I've, you know, I've definitely had some racist shit happen to me, which is why I didn't finish my PhD. You know what I mean? Mm, So it's mm -hmm. sort of like, I, but I think because my mom armed me with like, your black is beautiful. This is how it's beautiful. This is, my mom made me sit down and watch Roots as a young person. And do you know how that, that's a struggle as a young person? It's like, look, full disclosure, (laughs) I have not, I still have not watched all of Roots because it's not because I'm not, because I, again, I have no problem understanding the pain, but it's long. It is long. It's long as hell. (laughs) My mom had to sit me down. It was just like, we're watching it. Like We're going to watch it anyway. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And as a child, when you're like, yeah, shoot, my mom was like, nope. Sit, sit down. You learn we don't watch Kizzy. We gonna watch all this. We right, gonna... You gonna watch Chicken George, Debbie? Oh yeah. <laughs> you gonna know your name ain't Toby. Yeah. <laughs> right. I love it. I love it. But the, but that's the difference, right? And I think about my own work and the ways I theorize about race. Like while there is this very again this very strong anti-black root that informs how a lot of us think about sexuality, there's also this undercurrent of pleasure and joy and positivity that informs like to where I know when I first got introduced to like sex, you know, sexuality as a profession and some of the theoretical perspectives, there was this whole thing about sex positivity and se- and it was like, so you mean Luther Vandross? Like, I was like, I don't have a framework that looks at sex as negative. It's like, sex is great. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, I, and I know it's absolutely informed by my cultural experience as an African-American and just some of the, the the cultural things that we were exposed to that kind of had to bump heads with this other circle of like, you know, don't be hypersexual, don't be a statistic, don't be this, don't be that. And so I'm totally here for the story of having a different narrative. So. Yeah, I think it's too, it's pretty interesting too, because it makes me think about like how my blackness and queerness intersect. And coming from California, it was never an issue. Like being black and femme was like being Mm -hmm. beautiful and celebrated. And, you know, I had like this mohawk, you know, and I came to Atlanta and they were like, 
the black and queer people in Atlanta were just like, what are you doing? What is that? You have a mohawk? Why are you like that? Why? It was just like, they wow. had, there was so much put on them. Like you, yeah. I, it was sort of like, I was like, why do you look like everybody else in here? Like, you know, like I was just thrown off by how a lot of people look the same. And then when people come up, came up to me and be like, remember me? And I'm like, you look like everybody else. I cannot <laughs> distinguish why, like how I would know you because right. you, you look like everybody else. Right. But, so there's um, still that, that overarching kind of power power structure of like no this you is you should do this you should look like this yeah you even in like your this. queerness it has to look like this exactly yeah, that's so important that's so important to tease out yeah okay so i want to talk about killer mike yeah <laughs> well well i should just say even just the the trigger warning episode i love that show so much um or i love that episode i should say i didn't watch the full show i just was like oh my god <laughs> show i'm going to watch it and i like i teach I do teach sessions on uh, some of my classes. I introduced that clip, the clips that you did in, in parts of that episode. Can you talk a little bit about, um, for, for the folks who are like, what is this? Like explain the episode a little bit and kind of talk about how you even got into it and, and what you feel like, what your experience of it was. I, I, I kind of in my head, I'm kind of thinking about the takeaways, but just whatever you want to share about that show or, or about that particular episode, because I just thought it was really amazing. Yeah, so the episode was called Fuck School. Yeah. And it was really about like how the unemployment rates are high and what do people do when they're on unemployment? They're watching porn. And so there's yeah. a high correlation between unemployment and porn use, porn watching. Honestly, there's a high correlation between working and porn use, people <laughs> watching porn at work. So anyway, <laughs> with that said, um, the so the idea was hey we can teach you some life skills through the porn mm -hmm. um so that way you can not only learn something but you it was sort of like this pleasure-based education uh you yeah. know idea that that killer mike had so um he just wanted black folks to have realistic expectations of mm -hmm. what they could or could not achieve and you know that's it can go either way yeah. Right. Because it's sort of like one of those things when he when he talks to the kid and he the kids, like the black little black kids like, I want to be president. And, right. you know, uh, Killer Mike's like, uh, hold up, like, <laughs> you, like, let's 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 dial it down, you know, <laughs> let's um, practically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I don't necessarily think that you have to, like, dial it down or like think that you should only train kids to be like a certain thing or limit them in any way and at the same time it's sort of like you have to be um diligent that hey not everybody is uh, is going to achieve these high expectations or or be this person and i had to learn that from sociology mm, you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um i had to learn that from my mother who went from welfare to middle class to middle to upper class i had to see that uh so yeah anyway so with the with the <laughs> so basically we uh me and the handyman guy i can't even remember his name now um <laughs> i did it so long ago <laughs> well one of the things i mean what i loved about it like i definitely think the social commentary piece of it um is important and i think 
some might argue that it was a bit, it could have been, you know, a bit tongue in cheek and maybe we're not serious. But I, I was just really like, I don't know if this is serious or not, but imagine if we used porn in these ways to teach basic skills. Like I'm just, I was just in love with that. And, that's, and so I think that's probably my fan question of like, was that real? Like, were y'all serious? <laughs> oh, <'Cause> no. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because like I got so many calls. <laughs> I got so many calls that were like, can I have those porn that you were, t that you were doing? And I'm like, that is a TV show. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. That is a TV show. That is not real. Uh, I don't do that, but uh, it's a like, great idea. Fantastical future. Yeah. If I had, if I had the whole TV crew and the <laughs> actors and the budget, sure. Yeah. Um, I love but, that. I just yeah, love yeah. That. Okay, so that's okay. So that's just me and my pedagogical dreaming. To like, but hey, I, if you want to do it, I'll I'll collaborate with you. <laughs> we're gonna do that. We're gonna do that. <laughs> Be on the move with that. But I just I love that so much, and I just thought it just opened up such a powerful conversation, like a wonderful conversation about to me what the real power of sex ed could be, especially when it's. To me, I think it's intersectional and it speaks to what is actually going on in people's lives. It's like y'all just don't know. like condoms. Yeah, that's one thing. Let's 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 talk about life and let's talk about people's real time experiences. So that's why I was just really super moved by it. But anyway, yeah, it was fun. It was fun doing the directing of that. You know, it was like it was it was really fun. It was I I, I had fun. Yeah. 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 And and as it should be, right? Like sex ed should be fun because sex is mm -hmm. fun, right? Ideally, right? <laughs> and we were just watching them. We're like, okay, wow, that's all right. Keep going, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I love it. Okay, Marla. So let's say someone's listening and they're like, I love you, Marla. I think you're amazing. I think everything you're about is dope. And I want to learn more. I want to be able to... Uh, help my kids be more like, I, I really want to do this life that you feel like we should do in terms of owning our confidence, owning our seductibility and all of these things. But I don't know where to start. What tips or ideas do you have for them to kind of begin that journey? Um, so I think one of the first things you need to do, I mean, is it this like self-promotion or <laughs> like, <laughs> well, you can, you can definitely promote yourself, but this is really just kind of like, let's, let's say maybe they're like, okay, before I do a consultation with you, like what might be some baseline things that I could do to kind of get myself on that journey? Absolutely. So I, I think a lot of reading, um, a lot of reading, or maybe if you're into audio books, I think there are some great books out there. Um, that you should be reading. Um, one of my first books that really inspired me was Sister Outsider uh, by Audre Lorde. Um, the, the Uses of the Erotic, The Erotic is Power, that essay really, I mean, that changed my life of how I thought about eroticism and power. Hard thing. Hard yeah. Um, and then thinking about uh, black feminist theories and black sexual politics, both of those really helped shape my ideas. But if I, you know, those are definitely more, a little bit more academic. Um, so if you wanted to do something, I would just say start with like some, some basic human sexuality books. Cause sometimes people just don't 
no, you know, they're just like, well, they don't know basic body parts or, Thanks. you know, um, so I, I would say a human sexuality 101 book um, that you might get is going to be very helpful. And let's see, I'm all like, what do I have on my shelf that I think is really <laughs> great? Uh, <laughs> I have so many books. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to give exact book names. I, I just, just, I always try to um, have folks share just, you know, a bit of coaching or a bit of advice that you feel like if someone's like, I really could stand to be better at zhuzhing my life up. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> so. take workshops. Absolutely. Like Google where the workshops are that are near you or that, you know, maybe your favorite educators yes. that you really like. Take workshops because those can really help you and they get the information, you know, out to you quickly rather than maybe you having to read a book or whatever the case may be. I know a lot of people don't read these days. Um, <laughs> They'll read it if it's a meme. <laughs> it was a meme. Shoot. Two lines. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I would say like go to workshops. Um, I would say uh, follow your favorite people on Instagram who are really great content uh, creators. Uh, I really like Afro sexologies. Uh, yes. You know, content. Uh, you know, folks who are out there just like putting disseminating information that can really be helpful for you in yes. your life. Yes, yes. Shout out to Delisha who was on the show on our first season. Oh that yes. Lady. Yes, Afro Psychology yes. is dope. Absolutely. Yes, they are. <laughs> so yeah, I just think like, you know, following your favorite people. Get the get the super car she vibes superhero series and just like Look at what cards, you know, Goody, you know, Luna, yes. like, you know, some of my favorite people that are really just amazing educators. I think you should just be following. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. So we're almost getting ready to wrap up, but I want to ask kind of my last formal question, thinking about kind of your place now as particularly as a black sexuality educator as we didn't even get into talking about sex down south i kind of want to have you come back and maybe closer mm -hmm. to the dates talk about that in particular um maybe after you've had a chance to be one with your your newborn and get comfortable <laughs> yes. you can come back um but um thinking about your who you are and kind of the influence that you've had in the field right now particularly as a black sexuality educator well like what does it mean to be you right now at this moment in history in, in terms of your impact, your significance, your role, what do you, what do you see that as? Ooh, yeah. When <laughs> I think about like legacy and my impact, like I, you know, I really want to, I have like these big dreams of just being like the, you know, black queer educator to go to, you know, yes. like, um, thinking about like how mainstream or how I could help people in the mainstream, um, how I could help people, you know, however that be in media. I have like these, I have like this big dream of like being in like a major motion picture movie. Yes. I'm sure that's rooted in my original wanting to be an actor, you know, like all of those things. Yeah. Um, but I totally see that. I see that. I, I have to say that I just, what popped in my head is a um, kind of like a dystopian, dystopian setting, like you being the sex educator in the dystopian, dystopian setting. <laughs> I nice. love that. I love it so much. <laughs> so 
I would totally go see that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess when thinking about my legacy, I want, I want, I would really love the world to move in a direction of like, let's raise our children in a sex positive way. Let's raise our children in a way where they feel good. They have secure attachment. They feel like they can foster their sexuality. They feel that they have sexual responsibility. They feel like they can be authentic in who they are. Like, I would love for my job to be obsolete, mm. you know, like mm -hmm. I would love for people to really understand and be more sexual, sexually self-aware. Yeah. Um, so that is my my hope for my for my own legacy is just to, you know, get people educated so that, you know, we can live healthy and happy sexual lives. Yeah, I love it. I'm here for it here all for that all for that oh my goodness okay so we are just about done i have my rapid fire questions if you are ready okay okay so i have five sentence stems that i close off with everyone and it's basically just fill in with whatever comes up for you okay, okay? so the first one is sexiness is love hmm my answer is my all be love. <laughs> keep us together. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, sexiness is being able to connect, really being able to connect with others. And I think we be, when we're when we are able to connect with others, that means we have embraced that part of love in ourselves that we can see like, hey, I can actually come to you out of love, even if I disagree with you. So for me, that sexiness, that that being able to connect with someone and regard them as sexy is through love. Mm, love that. Love that. Okay. The sexiest thing about blackness and or black people is? We are creative and innovative. And <laughs> oh my God, like I love black people. We are like, it is... It's lit. <laughs> I, I, I'm just astounded by like the creativity and just, just how beautiful we have these amazing ideas. I, I just, I think we're fucking brilliant. Agreed. So. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> um, my go-to for feeling sexy is? Ooh. I'm going to have to say my go-to for feeling sexy is going to be like the music that I choose. So I really, I, I really feel sexy to Lizzo's worship. Oh. That is just like, that's how I feel. Like, I just want, I, I just, I, you know, it's like, I need, I need my lover to be obsessed with me, you know, like yes. just Heart same. Heart worship same. me. <laughs> Same. Yep. My Mars is in Leo, which is a whole other conversation. But it is absolutely that you need to worship me. Yes. Certain music, yeah. Yes. Sexual freedom for Black folk is achieved when? Ooh. When we let go of the shame and stigma that's, that holds us back from being our true authentic selves. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yep. Last one. When I'm done being on this podcast, I will. 
go to brunch and do some work. <laughs> Back to the grind. Back to the grind. Yes, yes. Brunch. I love brunch. I miss brunch. <laughs> That's so awesome. Marla, tell the people where they can find you on all the things. Um, feel free to humble brag, whatever you want to share in terms of how people can find you, how people can work with you, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. You can find me on my website, velvetlipsexed.com. You can find me, um, if you want to go to the Sex Down South conference, that's sexdownsouth.com. You can find me on social media at velvetlipsexed. That's, uh, there's no E in the sex. Um, Or at one Marla Stewart. Um, or at SDS con on Instagram. Uh, I'm not in charge of that Instagram, uh, but we have our Instagram for that. Uh, you can also, you know, buy your book, the ultimate guide to seduction and foreplay yes. techniques and strategies for mind blowing sex on my website. I think they're all sold out, um, in a lot of places. So you can get your autograph copy from me on my website. Uh, I got plenty. Yes. <laughs> I will then... say, I will say I have, I'm still kind of in the, we, you mentioned the trauma of PhD programs and oh yeah, I I'm still kind of in the tail end of that. So I have not read anything academic since 2018, but it is on my list to get your book. Yes. <laughs> like the only thing I read is romance novels these days. Ah, uh, <laughs> you might like anything. it. It's a nice, it's a nice, you know, <laughs> but you're right. You're right. You're, but I'm like, anything that requires healthy, me to think and like you know? sit and make notes. No, you're right. No, I'm getting the book. Please. No, <laughs> so purchasing the book. I'm just also acknowledging like anything that requires me to think extra hard. It's like, wow. Oh yeah. Yeah. You don't want to do that. Yeah. yeah. Not right now. <laughs> I don't Not right think now. Anymore. <laughs> Take a break. Take a break. <laughs> but, um, I, uh, so in addition to sex down South, I'm also going to be having a, uh, it's called Dick fest. So that's going to be happening in June. Okay. <laughs> um, and, uh, I think that's, pretty much it. I'm still building out some programs. I really want people to do what I do. So I'm building out a sexual strategy certification program right now. Um, But you can go on my website if you want classes on dirty talk or how to initiate or you want a kissing workshop or, you know, you want to learn about squirting. You can find all of those things on my website. I love that. I love that. And do I, I get the sense that you know something about kink. Am I wrong about that? Yeah, yeah, kink is one of my specialties. Okay, vlogs, vloggers <laughs> back here. I guess the paddle is cut off in the in the scene, yes. but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm huge. Uh, I'm very much kinky person. So you can uh, uh, there's a kink workshop in there. I teach the charm of choking, which is a uh, mm. dirty talk combo class with how to learn how to choke. Um, I teach basic impact play. I've taught, um, I've given presentations on the future of black kink and what that looks yes. like. And, okay. um, I've, uh, but yeah, kink is, kink is definitely part of my life. I mean, it hasn't <laughs> since the pandemic, but, well, right. um, <laughs> I feel like that's a, and that's a whole other episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely a kinkster. Yeah, for sure. Love that. Love that. Okay. Well, Thank you so much for being willing to be on with me, Marla. This was an amazing conversation. I'm so happy to have you and and to be able to have caught you before you get into parenthood with the new one. Um, yeah, if, if you don't have anything else, I don't have anything else. Thank you all for listening. I wish you all the best. We'll talk to you next time and take care. Bye. Bye thank you. <laughs> You've been listening to TSOB with Dr. G. Produced by Dr. Tracy Q. Gilbert of Tembi and I. To keep up with all things TSOB, 
Follow us on social media at TSOB The Podcast, which you can find on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. For past episodes of the show, visit TSOBpodcast.com or subscribe to the show either on YouTube or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Now, don't forget that you've got homework for this episode. To find the downloadable worksheet for this or any other episode of the show, head on over again to tsobpodcast.com where you'll find it and any other important information from the show notes. And finally, do you have any questions or thoughts to share? Sound off by email at mailbox at tsobpodcast.com. Again, this was TSOB, the sex ed of black folk. Thank you for listening. Talk again soon.